Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Vynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Mindy McGrath. Each year, we kick off Trending Health with a discussion on the industry outlook and key trends shaping the upcoming year. This year is no exception, as we're meeting with our heads of sector to explore the following trends. Convergence to create value, addressing the healthcare workforce crisis, redefining health as healthcare and self-care, precision therapy and digital therapeutics, and activating on health equity. To discuss these trends, I'm joined by Vynamic's head of sectors, Karen Baldry, life sciences sector, Ryan Hummel, provider sector, Sarah Brahman, health plan sector, and Mary Verzi, health tech sector. And I will be sprinkling in some of our public health perspective. So let's jump into talking about some of the trends that are really taking shape in 2023. The first one that I wanted to kick us off with is around this idea of converging to create value. Current healthcare organizations are establishing capabilities to expand traditional boundaries. New entrants have come into the market with really fresh perspectives and are pressuring the status quo to boldly define the delivery and even the financing of health. Both new entrants and incumbents alike are converging in an effort to create more integrated care, improve productivity, address quality of care models and those resulting outcomes, as well as focusing on greater opportunities for prevention and wellness. Sarab, one example that comes to mind that has been in the market for a while, but I think really sets the tone for this trend is payviders. The term that has been coined in the industry to really capture new entities that are combining their services of health plans and providers to bring to market new types of solutions. Can you tell us a little bit about what we're seeing in this space? So health plans have been on this journey to truly becoming holistic health organizations for a few years. And that really only has accelerated the trend through acquisitions and partnerships with entities like provider groups, virtual health solutions, specialty pharmacies, and other capabilities that are tech focused and health plans feel are able to assist in the creation of value. So I think there are multiple goals for these payviders. Number one on that list is really leveraging some of the strong financial performance that a lot of these payviders currently are facing and, and taking advantage of that to grow their market share for the future. Additionally, looking to respond to customer needs, including cost pressures from their employer clients, as well as consumer demands from the fully insured market. And then really addressing fragmentation and doubling down on virtual health as a true cornerstone of care delivery and, and lower cost alternatives to traditional brick and mortar providers. Sarb, do you think that this continues to be what their focus is in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. As, as kind of referenced, the financial state that many of the payers are in, it lends itself to seeing that trend continue. And we expect health plans to continue adopting that holistic health vision and looking to identify strategic opportunities to buy, build, and or partner to deliver value. For those that already are far along in that path, I think that importance evolves into integrating these entities to create a seamless experience for customers and truly achieving efficiencies of scale. And then 
those that can be successful in addressing that fragmentation, I think that truly does lead to a competitive edge in this marketplace. To that point, Sarah, in the health tech space, like almost everyone in the tech industry right now, we've witnessed a funding slowdown, meaning that these M&A and partnership opportunities have become even more attractive for healthcare tech companies. As you noted, common partners are often health plans. Health plans can offer access to market share, may provide a source of funding, such as like Cigna Ventures. It will be interesting to see how this continues to play out in the health tech space whether we'll see companies retool their value proposition and business plan to capitalize on these partnership opportunities. And thinking about partnerships in the life sciences sector, we've seen more co-promotes and alliance partnerships between pharma companies that allow them to leverage joint commercialization capabilities. And there's a growing number of partnerships between life sciences companies, Mary, and the healthcare tech companies that you work with to really bring wraparound solutions to patients and healthcare providers. And I think this increased collaboration reflects really the evolving product pipeline that is increasingly specialized and personalized, and in many cases targets a smaller number of patients who benefit from these additional capabilities that the partnerships can bring. And I would also add, Karen, that when we talk about convergence, I mean, there's so many interesting deals going on and partnership opportunities going on. And some of that from a public health perspective has been this collaboration between the public and the private sectors of healthcare. Every example that you touched on also really feels like there's a sense of urgency for the healthcare industry to really start to integrate in a better way to address some of these these drivers that we mentioned earlier in the conversation. One driver I think that we are seeing that also shapes up to be a really critical trend for us, and it once again is not new this year, but I think we've seen an acceleration of it and expect this acceleration to continue, has been around the healthcare workforce crisis. Ryan, I would love to get your take on whether we can expect to see any relief when it comes to this trend heading into 2023? Well, Mindy, unfortunately, we don't see any relief in the short term on this, whether you look at the news and see a UK nurses strike or in the US health system, this triple pandemic we're suffering with the hospital capacities at high, they're, they're continuing to face persistent shortages amongst, on top of those disablers that I mentioned, clinician disengagement, poor job satisfaction continues. And this overall burnout, this idea of, you know, you can't really operate on a cup that's empty. And these physician and nurses surveys also suggest that there's just a misalignment with leadership around the administrative burden, specifically with physicians and their compensation that they're receiving. And we've talked about this before, Mindy, this idea of financial pressures that providers as a whole are facing and leading factors of this are very significant revenue loss and margin erosion due to COVID-19 and expenses increasing at the same time due to inflation and compensation inflation and travel nurses particularly. Providers and health systems, both conventional and non-conventional, have to really shift their focus on really stabilizing their core and their core business and focusing on the basics, things they haven't had to do in a long time and deferring the focus against things like engagement, satisfaction, well-being. Ryan, one of the shifts that that we've seen over the course of the last couple of years has been clinicians increasingly interested and or joining 
employers within other industry sectors or exiting healthcare altogether. So you mentioned burnout as such a contributing factor to this trend. Do you anticipate seeing more of the clinician base actually exiting healthcare altogether in 2023? Mindy, I don't think that that's going away either. There just is an influx and increase of opportunities outside of the conventional care setting where clinicians and nurses currently work and their satisfaction and burnout rate is so low and high that they are making more money and their quality of life is much higher when they go outside of the traditional care settings. One of the macro reasons why is that the providers really cannot succeed right now in value-based care or other initiatives like digital health until they're financially sound. And we talked about going back to the basics before. So there is a paradox that exists there, right? This idea of we want to go towards this value-based care environment and ecosystem. And so we've kind of pushed forward from a compensation and operating model perspective. But in reality, that's not really happening as fast in the real life. So there's an issue there and clinicians and nurses are leaving. So there's a promise for cross-sector collaboration here. It's not all doom and gloom. For example, we've seen provider organizations finding new ways to do more with less through healthcare technology. And and Mary has talked about funding going away, but there are success stories of using digital technology to expedite processes so patients can be seen quicker. Right now, we're at a real breaking point here with providers, and they cannot afford to lose any more volume. Primary care volume is down. Market share is down for conventional health systems. And that is the core. And once we get back to the core, we'll be able to kind of redefine new ways of working for the provider sector. Brian, this is such a sobering trend for providers and for for patients, honestly. And as I think about the cross-sector implications, there's also a cascading impact for the life sciences sector. You know, the, the limited capacity within health systems and physicians and nurses means for patients, there's delayed diagnosis, which means also fewer procedures, which leads to fewer prescriptions, you know, patients getting the medicines that they need. And also from the life sciences perspective, it's missed educational opportunities on new therapies for the healthcare providers that we're supporting because sales reps just aren't getting to meet with these busy providers as often as they used to. I can't help but think as we were evaluating and starting to think about trends that are shaping 2023, The idea that broadening prevention and wellness and the idea that healthcare is only one part of the equation. And when we start to really think about health in its totality, it really starts to to lend itself to this trend that we're going to talk about next, which is around healthcare and and self-care. So Mary, one of the things I know you've been pursuing and, and evaluating for some time has been this influx of digital health players in the space that are not only partnering with some of those sectors that we've already talked about, but are starting to really think about how their offerings might extend into the prevention and wellness space. So we'd love to hear your take on the trend of redefining health as healthcare and self-care. Yeah, we have seen an influx, especially in preventative care and mental health within these digital health players really focus on what we'll call self-care, prevention, and wellness. Historically, the healthcare industry has done a terrible job of solving for access challenges in both preventative and mental health care, despite the increasing demand 
that you really saw came to maybe a head during the pandemic. Simultaneously, cost of care delivery and coverage increased, leading to a substitution effect and market opportunity for innovators wishing to capitalize on a multi-trillion dollar market. In the spirit of collaboration we've talked about throughout this podcast so far, there is an excellent opportunity for health plans and providers to evaluate digital health partnerships to expand their reach and patient access to care. This will be absolutely necessary and critical given the clinician workforce shortage constraints that Ryan was just discussing with you, Mindy, and the growing holistic consumer health demands that Sarab has touched on. I completely agree, Mary. Just touching on where you're discussing the opportunity between health plans and providers to evaluate digital health partnerships. And in addition to that, offering more and more wellness reimbursement options, payers are realizing the need and really the requirements from their customer base to provide additional solutions. I think the two focus areas that jump out from a health plan perspective is a continuing to assess the efficacy of those programs to ensure that they are paying for value and aren't falling into the trap of potentially identifying and utilizing trendier options to appease brokers, buyers, and members. And in addition to that, if they are signing up to provide these wellness reimbursement options, they certainly need to be able to ensure that there is network adequacy and there are vendors that would be able to deliver against those promises. Mary, one of the things that you touched on around digital was obviously our focus on prevention and wellness and this notion of moving to a more holistic and broader view of what health actually means. I think the digital revolution and evolution that we've talked about on previous podcasts also starts to connect just the broader acceleration and growth that we have seen in technology as a whole in in healthcare systems. Where I think it's showing up in our next trend is when we start to talk about precision therapy and digital therapeutics. Karen, there's so much that we could touch on with this trend because there's so much great promise in terms of the next evolution of therapies that are coming to market. I'd love to understand from you like what you start to see taking shape in 2023 when it comes to this trend. This is such an exciting time. I think, Mindy, uh, in the industry right now, you know, pipelines are stacked with biologics. There are over 2,000 cell and gene therapies in development. There are many, many, many digital therapeutic companies bringing really interesting and innovative solutions to market. And I think with this increased demand for precision medicine, um, it's really exciting, but there are also increasing challenges with delivering this type of personalized care. Um, you know, one is ensuring equity in clinical trials um, for these you know, very specific patient populations. Uh, a big challenge is navigating cost and reimbursement options. Um, figuring out processes and ways of working and collaboration to ensure that patient access, uh, patients are able to access these therapies. And then especially for life sciences organizations, really, you know, the opportunity to reimagine organizational business models and processes that support these, in many, in many cases, very complex product pipelines. So we're, we're seeing our life sciences clients really take a new look at their strategies and their operations to position them for success in the future. And we're seeing significant organizational transformation happening to support some of these next-gen medicines and digital therapies. 
Karen, you mentioned success. I'm curious, as you think about this trend really starting to um, mature in some ways, what do you think success looks like for the life sciences sector? Well, I mean, bottom line, success is really defined as you know, these medicines and therapies being able to reach the patients who need them. And one of the biggest challenges for some of these next-gen precision therapies and digital therapeutics is achieving market access. Um, it's, it's a challenge, but I think there's also a large cross-sector opportunity. You know, when we think about cost and reimbursement, um, these therapies are expensive, very expensive. And the industry needs to figure out uh, how insurance coverage is going to ensure that patients are able to get these impactful, expensive therapies. And, you know, we're seeing health plans and life sciences organizations start to work together and partner to figure out how to recognize that lifetime value of these therapies and products, and then defining and providing reimbursement according to that value, which may include, you know, innovative structures like value-based care arrangements, as an example. One of the things you mentioned was more creative ways to think about the reimbursement structure. I think access as a whole, right, patient access is going to be a challenge that the system needs to consider. And I think that leads to, you know, our last trend that we're talking about, that movement from talking about health equity to really activating on health equity and how that starts to show up across the healthcare system. As we start to round out this trending health episode, one of the things that we're going to revisit is a trend that we talked about last year and explored around the health equity imperative. This year, we're really starting to see this trend shaping up to be focusing on activating health equity. And I'd love to do just a quick round robin with this team to get your take on how activating health equity starts to take shape in 2023. As a provider, head of sector, it's you know the sector that is presumably most close to the patient. And there's, there's so many ways to go through this and talk about this. But if you think about how policy drives our actions, when you talk about activating health equity, I think about the fact that the Joint Commission now has part of their checklist is around health equity. NCQA now has health equity accreditation. And you see org structures and operating models changing by the day with health equity officers or strategic priorities rallying around the idea of health equity. And it's, it's this idea of the premise and idea of health equity and to close these disparities in health, but it's utilizing research, analytics, digital tools, and harmonizing data to understand how to fix this, whether it's geography, what street folks live on, their ethnicity, their diet. It's created this real have and have not society in the US. And I am very grateful and thankful that from a provider perspective, there's great opportunity and provider groups are continuously developing programs and prioritizing these programs with community-based organizations to really truly address these issues and fix them. Well said. As I think about it from the life sciences side, there are two areas where we're seeing our pharma and biotech clients really lean in on health equity. The first is we're really seeing an increased focus on access to medicine for geographies and populations who've historically been underserved. 
there is a organization called the Access to Medicine, and they create a list every few years of the top pharma companies who make their medicines more accessible to these populations. And there was some new entrants on the list this year. And I, I think that really shows a prioritized focus for some of the biggest players in life sciences and really committing to access for medicine. And another area that we talk about a lot where life sciences can have a real impact on health equity is ensuring that there is diversity in clinical trials and that the folks who have a chance to participate in clinical trials represent the epidemiology of the disease state itself. The FDA is issuing guidance around diversity in clinical trials, and we're also seeing life sciences organizations being more bold and really publicly committing to their clinical trial diversity objectives, which I think is really going to help further and improve diversity over the next few years. And from a health plan perspective, I think that equity is becoming that much more of a commonplace consideration. And the first place to really look regarding activation of equity in the payer space is happening by a plan and network development. That plan design, though, is really being driven more and more by value-based contracting initiatives and inclusive advanced payment model design, whether it's CMS-adjusting STAR measures to take into account patient experience or commercial payers designing provider contracts to shift away from fee-for-service and paying for broader population health access and outcomes-based initiatives. I think between the network design and evolving reimbursement models, that's how we're really seeing equity being activated in the health plan space. Yeah, and I think in, in healthcare tech, to sort of expand on what everyone has said so far, I think what we're seeing is actually more of an adoption of technology throughout the sectors that are helping to enable health equity. I think within healthcare tech, we are seeing certainly more of a push in the diversity of hiring to enable the technology and the AI and the data to really, really encapsulate what the population truly looks like from a health perspective. So I think we're in this space from a health technology perspective, we're really seeing technology as an enabler, especially I think Ryan hit on it and Karen as well, really leveraging technology to provide that equal access and, and equity. I would just add that I think the policy landscape is also really orienting to driving the activation of health equity. It definitely has become a strategic and high priority when it comes to policy and agencies that are framing how the healthcare system operates. And speaking of that, when we touched on each of these trends and highlighted areas where we think they're going to impact and show up in the sectors. I would love to hear from, from this team, when you think about how this starts to translate for healthcare leaders to, to really practically use these types of insights, what would you recommend? I think recognizing how many organizations set these multi-year strategic plans, three or five years, and considering just how the healthcare industry is starting to evolve and the pace at which it's evolving, I do think it would be in the best interest of healthcare leaders to start to revisit their strategic plan on a more annual basis. That does not have to be starting from scratch every year, but it's certainly revisiting the assumptions you are making in that plan and making sure your hypothesis was still valid. 
and making adjustments and, and remaining able to pivot quickly as needed as you're starting to see the industry evolve. Totally agree, Mary. And I'll add transformation, transformation, transformation. I can't underestimate the need for companies big and small to significantly transform their capabilities, their partnerships, their org designs, their operating models. And as you were saying, their overall strategic focus to really capitalize on some of these really big and really impactful trends that we've talked about today. Thanks for your insight, Mary and Karen. I would just say, as we, we conclude this episode of Trending Health, it's safe to say that these trends set the tone for another eventful year in the healthcare industry. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in this episode, subscribe to the Trending Health podcast and explore if Dynamic can help your company with ongoing healthcare industry change. Please visit trendinghealth.com.